Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Just on the other side of us, we have 
uh, foie gras, you know, the the delicacy that's goose liver. That's, yes. um And it's uh, obtained very cruelly. If, if anyone doesn't know, they force feed the geese and enlarge the liver, and it's uh, eaten as a delicacy, but that did get banned in New York as well. And um, so so some some good movement forward, and, uh, you know, we just got to keep up that momentum. But I know that, you know, in our own backyard, uh, as we've discussed, we always have to keep an eye on, you know, the the wildlife issues and, and make sure mm-hmm. that any time that, you know, there's a discussion about wild animals that we're conscious of sharing the planet instead of uh, going for not, for lethal solutions, as, as unfortunately is the case. And I've talked to you before about this, is that in New Jersey, as well as many other states, and I, I think it always bears repeating, that the Division of Fish and Wildlife is filled with the stakeholders of those who would harm animals because of their funding structure is is so that the hunting licenses fund their uh, their agency. So right. it's the per, so it's the proverbial uh, you know uh, fox guarding the hen house because um, they they do everything that they can to encourage hunting, and that includes you know coming into communities and trying to whip people up into a frenzy and towns mayors and say, oh, you have a real problem here. you got to let us come in with uh, sharpshooters and bow hunters. And, and obviously all of that is to deliver, you know, hunts that are closer to home for mm-hmm. people uh, because the hunting numbers have been declining uh, over the years. So they, they really, their purpose is uh, to retain and to try to grow hunting, which is, it unfor- it's unfortunate on a lot of levels, but also from from an open government point of view, you know, our tax dollars um, are paying for agencies that when they come in, uh, people think they're getting a scientific um, uh, approach, uh, so, you know, and and getting like an honest broker. And what people don't realize, you know, they have the name of the state behind them. But they don't realize that they're that they're actually, um, you know, advocating for an anti-animal position. Uh, you know, if they were named something different other than <laughs> Division of Fish and Wildlife, it'd be, it'd be a little more honest, you know. And um, so that's that's something that we have to to watch in our own backyard. And um, I, you know, I always, you know, ask people to stay informed with this stuff. And, you know, it's my mission to make sure that all of our elected leaders uh, realize that the the non-lethal approach not only obviously helps animals, but it it helps the people in the community as well uh, because you don't want to have, you know, a a dangerous situation. uh, and, And certainly, you know, it's, there has been some stuff that happened very locally, uh, which would give people very much pause. Um, in the Knickerbocker Country Club, uh, on the 
Bergenfield uh, side of that, uh, the, the a poaching ring was caught. Uh, wow. You know, uh, yeah, three three people uh, got tickets. Uh, for that, for you know, having killed a, a deer, and then they, as they came back for it later, uh, then then it was it caught, you know, in a sting operation. But when you read the the actual, and, and this was just a, a, a month or two back, and when you read the actual like report of what they're charged with, you know, it's these little slap on the wrist things because it it's not like Oh my God! You actually had the crossbow in in an area where it's so densely populated. It's it's silly things like hunting uh, out of season and non-tagging of your deer. So why do they? Why would you know? You're not allowed to hunt around here. It's poached situation. But why right. do they give the? Why did they give them these slap on the wrist um, charges? Is because. It goes back to what I said previously. They they want to encourage this stuff. When you have poaching, it actually creates a population boom. Uh, you know, they don't want to come down hard on poaching. So if people right. are taking deer illegally at the Tenafly Nature Center, if people are taking deer illegally at the Knickerbocker Country Club, they the the for you know the people in charge of that. Piece. It's not even. It's not our police department. It's a mm-hmm. division. You know, employees ultimately. They don't want to uh, penalize it heavily, because whenever we, you know, whenever there is um, one hunt, you know, or one taken out, it creates a, a an animal taken out, a deer taken out. It creates a vacuum, and then right. it creates that population increase we discussed. So. Um, when people do see uh, an increase in deer, you, one of the first questions should be, you know, what's the poaching going on? And I, you know, there was other, as I was researching this locally in preparation for the show, there was also another uh, Oprah request we filled out that in Closter, uh, they never caught those poachers, uh, but but they they also had reports of deer poaching. And as I read the report, it said, yeah, you know, it's part of a, a ring. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite, quite upsetting. And, then, you know, yes, and I try to always tell the, the local politicians, like, you know, if you want to protect your community of people as well as animals, and those of us also who care for the welfare of the animals, and you only will uh, not only consider only the non-lethal, but also work with us. And we've got to get this agency, this rogue government agency, to work for the people, not a select minority that, uh, you know, they're, they're advocating for. It's really unethical. That, that's a challenge that uh, uh, we need to meet in ever-growing circles <laughs> and not just in the um, um, animal uh, uh, kindness uh, category. Uh, it seems that the special interest groups uh, on all levels are um, have corrupted uh, government and uh, agencies are representing the opposite of what they're supposed to be representing. So it, it, it's... Uh, 
it, it definitely needs to be addressed on this level and all others as well. You know, and it's really funny you should say that because I've always told people that as an animal uh, advocate, I have had that exposure like before other people started realizing or get you know getting that cynicism or, or realizing the money and politics problems like oh yeah I, I I knew about that 20 years ago when X you know got into bed with this one <laughs> you know? uh-huh. so yeah I, I, it is the microcosm uh, so you know I I always encourage people you know go on to League of Humane Voters of New Jersey. Because I think our only, and you hit, it's free to join now, but our only uh, hope is that we mobilize as voters against corruption and, uh, like you say, in, in all areas that we find it. Um, but like I say, if I go back to the positive things that I started the conversation with, you can see the wonderful change that happens when um, you are able to galvanize around one topic uh, right. and, and get those things across the finish line. Uh, obviously, in New Jersey, we were the first state to ban uh, traveling wild animal circuses. Uh, that was a, a wonderful accomplishment. Um, and in New York, uh, another thing they just banned was uh, they became the first state to ban uh, cat declawing. Um, and you know, cat decline, while there were definitely veterinarians who were making a lot of money off of it, uh, it was kind of becoming widely recognized as, as, you know, not a necessary operation and also very cruel because sometimes, the, you know, it's very painful for the cat. And so luckily, um, you know, those special interests that were like pushing for cat decline that were making a lot of money off of it through the decades and decades, um, you know, luckily the experts won out and said this is really bad for cats. So, okay. you know, that was something that was, you know, a win. Uh, and then what excites me personally, because uh, one of my biggest um, causes within animal protection is you know, protecting fur-bearing animals from being killed for fur, just for fashion and something so um, frivolous. And mm-hmm. so it's so exciting for me to see that California, again, also just uh, passed a, a, fur, a fur ban as well, fur sale ban. Uh, so I'm really hoping that some of these state-by-state advances uh, really start spreading. Uh, because, you know, when we were able to pass the Wild Animal Circus Act uh, ban here in New Jersey, that that did uh, get to some other states, and Hawaii shortly thereafter passed it, and um, these things do have a bit of a domino effect. So, um, you know, right. I always say mobilize us together for the for fighting for good, and what better place to start than in your own backyard? So, you know, I always know with your show, you're always, um, you know, trying to encourage people to spread some positivity and organize around that locally, uh, which is yes. great. And uh, finally, now that uh, a groove has been uh, created rather than a couple of random things uh, here and there, uh, I intend to be covering uh, this uh, topic uh, at least monthly. I have one to three uh 
shows a month planned for uh, Champions of Arcadia. And, uh, of course, you're welcome back whenever you want to to update us on uh, your activities and what's uh, going on. Uh, and also, I've created a Facebook group, which I invited you to, uh, where okay. this information Was that re- did, did I accept the invitation, or did I did you just do that? To be honest, I don't know. I, I got, like, all of a sudden a lot of speaking engagements. So I've been spending the past couple of days uh, scheduling things and, and oh. uh uh, so uh, I haven't checked who accepted, who didn't accept, but I will check. But the the group will be for everybody to post recent information in a place where every, anybody can find it. And I'm going to put the uh, voting information in the new voting group I created because I realized that even though we cover uh, the importance of voting a lot and I encourage people to vote a lot, it gets lost with all the other posts. So I created a group just to keep them there. So if anyone's interested in voting, anything they need uh, to find out who their representatives are, uh, to find out what petitions are floating around, uh, to find out everything they need to know about voting and uh, the challenges like gerrymandering and uh, voter suppression and so forth uh, can be in one easy to find place. So I've done the same thing with uh, uh, the Champions of Arcadia. Um, and this way, if, and, and I'm using those to also uh, chronicle the list uh, and links to our shows. And so if somebody wanted to find a show really quickly, uh, they can locate it there uh, also. You know, I just learned about a bill that was coming up in New Jersey that I didn't realize you had mentioned um, about gerrymandering. And I didn't realize that where the prisons are located is the the area that gets the count of all that population of the prison. And um, this bill is trying to undo that because the people are taken from, like this is regarding the census, for example, of how they determine how, you know, the representation of that area. Right. So the population is taken out of, um, in this case, in New Jersey, they were mentioning Newark loses uh, bodies. And then it goes to a very rural area that gets this population boom because that's where the prison's located. Right. But misrepresenting, it makes them have much more power. Um, I didn't even real, and I thought I knew a lot about gerrymandering and the like. And I was like, oh my god, I didn't even realize that the population of where a prison is located is why is part of why some rural areas get so overrepresented they right. have a prison there it's wild it, it is very wild and uh if we are indeed to remain a democratic republic uh we really need to keep on top of that because uh um we're seeing many examples of uh, how these uh things are not used properly uh, and to take away from the representation of uh, the people by using tricks like the one you just described. <laughs> exactly. And, well, I mean, you have to ask yourself, it, what what is the interest um, of, that the representatives have in representing the people, uh, you know, not being broad brush, but I'm sorry, certain representatives or is their interest just like, let me stay in a job for my own benefit? In a way, it's it's almost like you should really have representation by people who don't want to be 
representatives. Because <laughs> <You know what laughs> I mean? sometimes it's like if if your if your goal is to be there, then you know, as we see in the federal government, then it's like, okay, well, when is your time to leave? And we're talking right. like forty, fifty years in one job is. You know, you think nobody else will be as good as you? <laughs> I don't know at this job. So you have to really ask yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, like you say, is the interest, um, uh, you know, preserving the democracy speaking for for everyone. But if they have that interest, you're 100% right. They need to protect this democracy. And it's definitely under attack by these different tricks, so. Um, so, look, I mean, you know, talks like yours are good, you know, power of the people. And I'm glad we have people like you and your husband and your friends because uh, you've kept on top of uh, this particular uh, issue for many, many years. Uh, and uh, without you, who knows what the circumstances uh, would be uh, for four-legged friends. I, I did want to just say if anybody has interest in the anti-fur, you know, events that happen locally, that is something that I do, uh, that they should visit shameonfur.org or shameonfur.com. takes the same place, Caring Activists Against Fur. We put up a lot of anti-fur billboards, and we do a lot of anti-fur outreach. And um, I, I have been on top of this for a long time, Um but I've I've seen a lot of losses, and I just always want to tell anybody that it it whenever you get active for any cause, and and I was involved with Moms Demand Action as well for a while, you know, to to fight for better um, gun sense legislation, you do have to take your lumps with whatever um, cause you have, but you if you stick with it, you're you're going to get some of those great victories. So. Definitely. Can you um, what that means uh, taking your lumps, so that people have an idea before they uh, follow the path of the activist. Well, um, I'll give you well a, a few examples. So, okay. um, I so I've headed up this anti-fur group called Caring Activists Against Fur, and I um, had been demonstrating in front of Macy's for about approximately 20 years um, all through the first season and you know cold rain and it was tough I mean you have a pretty hostile interaction with with the store sometimes the the, you know whoever is law enforcement called and stuff like that (laughs) you know and and over the years you know, I had to really, really make relationships and, you know, like the local police precinct became very friendly with me. And, but it was uh-huh. a lot of hard work. But then we got that wonderful news that Macy's is, was signing a fur free pledge that they are phasing out fur sales uh, for next year, which was it, it's just remarkable. But it was definitely a, a the better part of a lifetime of a lot of struggle. Um, uh-huh. Then there's things, but I, so I want to say that it, it, it's, you can't think of things in terms of, did I get it in one year or two years? Many, many years ago, a mentor said to me when I was moving into legislation, he said to me, you have to think of legislation 
in terms of five-year increments. So where are you five years after you started an idea? You know, and um, that has always stuck with me. So for um, the lumps that I, you know, most recently as I campaigned uh, pretty vigorously for Governor Phil Murphy to become governor, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, he... In, in part, uh, in quite a large part, uh, he said that the reason I campaigned for him, he said that he would end the New Jersey you know, trophy bear hunt. Uh, not, not every state has a bear hunt, and New Jersey is not one of the states that you would think would have one because uh, we, we don't have a large percentage of trophy hunters in our culture. Uh, <laughs> however, um, uh, he... When he got in, uh, he has still not, uh, two years into his tenure, still not banned the bear hunt. Um, Mm. And so that's the type of lumps I'm also talking about, the disappointment of when you you do fight uh, for someone and they break a promise or fight for a piece of legislation that gets very watered down. if I go back just real quick to the uh, the fight for the the circus um, bill, okay. there was an idea floated that it should only ban elephant acts, and I just with League of Humane Voters, you know, I said absolutely not. You cannot go forward with legislation that only banned elephant acts because I knew that everyone would forget about the lions and tigers and the and the camels and the other perform zebras the other performing a- animals in these in these wild animal acts i said mm-hmm. that if you if you pass something easier like the elephants only then these other animals would be enslaved for decades to come so i you know that was one of the things we had a really come down hard is a lot of people they're not even particularly good lobbyists and they just want to go for the easy win or they want to mark down a win uh and it's not really a win we have to fight for what matters and uh thank goodness in doing so we got the complete wild animal act banned and then and that became you know a model for the nation because before us there were other states that had banned elephant acts, but guess who was still performing? You know, all these other animals. All these animals, animals, yes. So, you know, yeah, you take your lumps. It's definitely a lifetime of lumps. Am I disappointed about the fact we have expanding, you know, deer hunting? Am I dis- Even though the number of hunters are going down, uh, am I disappointed that we have a, a black bear hunt? Yeah, I mean these are these are crummy things. These are lousy things, which have broken promises, and they're unethical and they're cruel. And in 2020, it's kind of like remarkable you have to even say certain things uh, or have these fights. You know, you're like, oh my god, just to move forward, let alone stop going backward, would be something I'd like to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I, but again, you know, I, uh, those of us, people of conscience, 
we don't really have a choice. We have to keep pressing forward. And what you said previously is if I wasn't here, and I mean, you know, you is the proverbial you. If you weren't here, uh-huh. you just think of how much worse it would be. So uh, we have to keep fighting. And, you know, on those days that you really start to uh, lose faith, uh, you know, pour yourself a cup of tea and <laughs> regroup and get back out there. Because I've been doing this since I was very, very young. And um, I, I just also want to say that in addition to legislation, you know, the responsibility can lie with each of us making those kind actions. And in that way, the marketplace can correct uh, things as well. And um, for those people who want to eat less meat to try to um, help with uh, climate change, because animal agriculture is a third leading cause for climate change, uh, mm-hmm. then if they want to even reduce meat consumption, what a beautiful thing is happening lately is such a large amount of uh, plant-based options that are happening in every store. And that just really means, with you know, that the marketplace is responding to individual right. desires. So if you can go into Burger King and get the Impossible Whopper or, you know, or, you know, Applebee's and get a Beyond Burger, you know, it's it that's the type of stuff that will also make that difference. So not everything is legislation. Sometimes it's right into that company. And I know I'm pretty proud about Macy's. And, yeah, uh-huh. Macy's isn't a state, but it's a but damn it's big still. store. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah. I was a kid, and the earlier than that. I'm, I'm sorry? Macy's is an institution. It's been around uh, uh, since I was a kid and probably way before that as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's the largest department store in the world. Uh, has a whole city block in Manhattan. So when Macy's falls and then they owned Bloomingdale's, which meant Bloomingdale's was also going for free, I'm like, wow, I can just smell it. I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. looking so forward to the end of the fur industry. And that's uh-huh. another thing that the marketplace, cor- you know, course corrected. And we, of course, have faux fur, uh, with, you know, for for those who like the look of fur. Um mm-hmm. But but other there's other things that also keep us warm, and the technology has really advanced in that way. So um, you know, I just urge everybody to to take the best uh, ethical actions, uh, and and we got to organize like they protect our democracy. I, I do think that the money in in politics is kind of the root of all evil, but. It also extends to something regarding uh, the way things are covered by our media because the money is involved in the media. So, you know, uh, these advances for animal protection, and I'm sure people could talk about other topics as well, um, they've happened in spite, in spite of being ignored by the media. You know, when I was doing outreach about fur, you know, I call the, the the local news. They wouldn't cover us. And then you say, well, why aren't you covering us? And then you, they would cover garbage and stupid little things with far less people and far less of a story. 
and they would be like, hey, today's a big shopping day. Like, let's cover that, you know. And then, hey, yeah. so why are they covering it? And then you would see that the commercials in between the, the news pieces were advertisements for the very stores that we were just protesting. So I don't want to say that the money is just corrupting our political process. It also corrupts the the other guardrails of our of a functioning society, which is the free press. So I um we have to be very careful uh about where we're getting our sources from and just remember that we're probably getting a fraction of the truth if we if we don't really uh you know put our head right. down and you know. And- it, it's understandable uh, in that uh, it's expensive to uh, create uh, quality productions. So a lot of times the only people who can underwrite or buy the advertising uh, time that you need uh, is large corporations. And then since they're the ones keeping you afloat, you don't want to rock the boat, you know. So uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it is a problem and it does need to be uh, addressed. And now we're finding out uh, uh, how some of the media buys uh, stories uh, and then sits on them for various uh, reasons of their own, <laughs> for reasons of, that have nothing to do with reporting the news. So um, I like the alternate news. And in fact, I'm, I'm honored to be part of, you know, the alternate news or the fringe news or whatever you want to call it. And, um, Shortly, uh, when you have the time, I'd like to uh, call a little meeting because I'm currently working on a uh, a public uh, television show concept that will further allow us to spread the uh, word about uh, uh, green-related things and animal-related things and so forth. So uh, um, I want I want I would like for you and others to help me think it through. Uh, so that uh, we can uh, educate and inform people and give them options that they didn't have before and uh, maybe make them think about things that they didn't think about before. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And I think that when people realize that the decisions they make around what they eat or what they wear or um, how they entertain themselves uh, or, you know, what they're buying maybe, you know, more generally, uh, perhaps if they realize that the impact that they can have on the world around them with their personal decisions, uh, then they'll feel all the more empowered. So like a show like you're talking about can really inform people about, you know, the power that they can have. And these are times where I would dare say, you know, people struggle with feeling powerless, but, you know, if a young lady like Greta Thunberg could show, right? You know, there. You know, you don't have to be a celebrity to to follow important steps about helping the world around you. And I think that you know, it's something that we all should explore. And a show like that sounds like a great idea. So I look forward to uh, dreaming with you and with the others. And- <laughs> Alas, the time passes quickly and our journey for today is almost uh, complete. How can people uh, become part of all the wonderful things uh, that you're doing? So uh, two organizations I want to tell you everyone about. So the League of Humane Voters of New Jersey. Well, actually, I'll take three organizations. Uh, okay. That you can uh, hit the 
Join Now button. It's free. And just sign up uh, for where you are located. If you're in New Jersey, there's other League of Humane Voters chapters in different states as well. So League of Humane Voters of New Jersey uh, will have your record, and that way we can contact you about very important legislation, uh, things that we're trying to – bills we're trying to kill, <laughs> and then bills we're, we're trying to get passed. Um, and then uh, the second organization is – the acronym is AP, as in Peter, L-N-J for New Jersey, and that's Animal Protection League of New Jersey. Uh, they are not the lobbying um, organization, but they are an Animal Protection League of New Jersey, is a nonprofit, and uh, they not only are there fighting for wild animals, and uh, the Bear Group is a division of the Animal Protection League of New Jersey, and the Bear Group is excellent in, in uh, working against the bear hunt, but they also have uh, saved, they, they've maintained the cat colonies, the feral cat colonies, for over 600 cats throughout New Jersey are being wow. fed currently by the group. So um, I know my own children were uh, raising money outside of King's Supermarket, uh, <laughs> you know, helping to maintain the feral cat colonies throughout the state. They do trap, neuter, return uh, programs. So to have Animal Protection League in New Jersey, we got to keep them strong and keep them growing. Uh, and the third group is a caring activist against fur, which is my group. And um, I just, we are straightforward anti-fur outreach, and uh, we also buy billboards throughout New Jersey. So if you've seen an anti-fur billboard in the area, that is probably ours. <laughs> so awesome. uh, that we're just there to to tell people that there's other ways to stay warm beside real animal fur. So uh, please, uh, everyone get involved. Not not everyone can do everything, but everyone can do no. something. Right? That's so, uh, well. You got it. And um, I really appreciate all your support, Hercules. And, you know, you've gone with me to different meetings of politicians, and uh, you and your wife have always been wonderful advocates. So um, oh, thank thanks you. again, and thanks for using your voice. And thank you for uh, being such a clear voice that's uh, been heard uh, uh, so powerfully and so loudly. And uh, I just keep up the awesome work. And uh, we'll be working more together in uh, the time ahead. Uh, thank Look you, Julie. To and um, this is a great way to start the new year. Be well and give my love to everybody. Will do. And you as well, please. Thank you. Uh, we're going to listen to Dave Barnes. I'm sorry? No, I said thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you, too. Um, we're going to listen to David the Bard's The Pipes of Pan, which is uh, the mythical deity of nature. Uh, and then we'll be back, uh, and we're going to be starting our mental health advocacy program today as well. Um, and our guest there will be Julia Gillies.
Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I'm honored to announce that our next segment, Age of Heroes Optimal Wellness, will be the launch of a monthly or more than monthly segment on mental health. And I'm greatly honored to have activist Julia Gilley, she's been on our show before, uh, to launch uh, this segment. Greetings and welcome, Julia. How are you? I am good. How are you? Okay, I'm very excited that we're here. We we talked about this a few times in the past, and now it's finally happening. So, so I'm very overjoyed. Um, now, before uh, we focus on what's happening now, you've dedicated your life towards uh, making mental health services available, uh, more humane, and more effective uh, for people who are struggling um, with uh, mental illness in their lives or in the lives of a loved one. Um, what motivated you to begin this journey and to go as far as you have? Mm, that's a loaded question. Um, I grew up in a home. Um, my mom, I believe, suffered from bipolar. And one time my dad called me up and said, I'm medic depressive. So um, I always wondered what was going on with my mom and when I was 19 I took a um, psychology course Mm -hmm. and uh, it really educated me Um, my mother it it was hard um, for her and I um, and then getting married and having children and um, then having children that suffered from mental health it's always been a passion you know always to try to help people who are suffering you know with depression or um, any mental illness it's very difficult to get the help that people need the appropriate help it is a we're in a mental health crisis right now we have been and um I, uh, my daughter first, I think it was like 2006, five or six, five, um, going through a rough time and, uh, she was hospitalized and she, the doctor, you know, we had went in the office and she said, well, she might have bipolar and they started her on medication and she did better. You know, she's always tried to excel at everything. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant woman. Um, to her adversity, I won't get into it, but through some pretty harsh adversity, she shined. She worked hard uh-huh. at school. She, she um, well, moving forward to 2007, I okay. lost a son to suicide. And during the time we were grieving over that, Chelsea's getting, like, all these acceptance letters. She was waitlisted for MIT. You know, um, she applied to all these schools, and, you know, Syracuse offered the best deal, to be honest with you. They offered the best (laughs) financial package. Uh I remember going up there, and she was kind of grumbling, And taking her into, I don't know why, but I was driven to take her into the engineering building. 
And lo and behold, it was empty except for one woman who brought her in and was talking about some knee, something or other, biomedical uh, advancement. And Chelsea was intrigued and said, okay, I'll go here. And I said, can we buy the sweatshirt now? And she went there. Um, she, I, I don't want to go real personal with her, but she had an That's incident. Okay. And she had a, she had been in her um, sophomore to junior year. She was doing an internship at Case Western. Incredible internship. She um, was working with spinal cord injury patients. And the professor was like, the doctor was like real busy. He goes, you got to learn the computer. And they attached something to the woman's arm, and it was voice activated, and the woman moved her paralyzed arm. Brilliant. Wow. She came home. I mean, she went back to school, and due to really bad circumstances, um, a perpetrator recontacted her, and she attempted her life, a very serious attempt. She actually was being seen by um, an orthopedist. She was actually working with his partner. Um, She survived, but um, she had to take time off of school. But at that time, they put, put the psychiatrist put her on her first antipsychotic. Here she was doing really well with Lamictal a mood stabilizer, and they put her on risperidone. I noticed when I would visit her, her gait was off, like her shoes were uneven. She was heavier walking. Um, She complained a little bit about memory problems. She fought through it all. She worked three years on a shoulder simulation program that she received the highest Renee Crown Award. She, wow. um, and she received several other awards. I was going through paperwork recently, and she would gotten two financial awards as well. Um, she came home. She wanted to get off the risperidone. I had surgery at the time. She didn't go back to a psychiatrist. She had gone to see some other doctor. I was thinking maybe it's Asperger's or whatever, and she slowly weaned off risperidone. She was accepted into a doctorate program with epileptic patients down in um, the University of Florida. She, so she had tapered off the way you're supposed to. The doctors don't do that. They don't. She researched it. And not that I would recommend that, but she was doing the way you're supposed to come off antipsychotics slowly. Uh-huh. She was at the University of Florida. She was retrieving a phone charger underneath a desk, and she banged her head really bad. She got a really bad headache. She went to the emergency room. She rarely got a headache ever. And they gave her a cocktail of Reglan and Benadryl. And I kept thinking she had a dystonic reaction 
She looked like she had cerebral palsy. She sent me a video. It was hard to watch. I couldn't believe it. Um, doctors didn't know really what to do with her. And I had to fly down there and help her. We were. She had four emergency room visits. The final emergency room visit, the doctors were like, oh, she's, you know, got some sort of, I, I don't know. They, they were ridiculous. But a medical doctor came in, took her off what they were putting her on, and um, as the doctor was leaving, I, I don't know why it came out of me, but I said, please pray for her. The doctor said, we're going to pray over her right now. We laid hands on my daughter. She was sleeping. She was worn out. And um, the following day, they had transferred her over, out of the emergency over to a regular floor. And I was taking down all the documentation because I was frustrated that these mm-hmm. doctors we're coming up with all this stuff. Well, anyway, finally, I'm taking this, and all of a sudden, she's talking regular. She, and all of a sudden, you hear them saying, whatever the room number was, is healed, you know? And she seemed to be all right. But Reglin can have the effect of antipsychotics. So my thinking, my thinking was uh-huh. that it pulled residual or whatever from the risperidone and it was disastrous they were putting her on Zyprexa she got they had to let her go from the doctorate program but she was persistent she got her master's degree in biomedical engineering the whole time hallucinating that people were sticking their tongues out at her she called me every day every day so here we go with, you know, risperidone, the gait, the memory, Zyprexa, the hallucinations. Um, at one point, she got catatonic. They called me. I was on my way to work in New York. Can we give her Ativan? It went down. It, it, it was not good. She came home. She wanted to get off Zyprexa and her psychiatrist. Because I went to the appointment, said, "Well, we'll we'll lower the Zyprexa and we'll add Abilify. Abilify, she um, had um, difficulty swallowing. And at that time, they had her going to a day program. Mm-hmm. And you know, I called the APN over there, and I said, you know, my daughter's not eating." She lost, like, a lot of weight very quickly. Um, Well, have her drink protein drinks. And I'm thinking, you're putting these heavy-duty drugs in her, and you want her to have a protein drink? I don't think so. Get her off. She was just staring at the floor. Here Here we have a brilliant woman, and the drugs are really taking a toll on her. And that was six years ago. So, I'm sorry to hear that, and I, I worked in the mental health field for many years in uh, New York and uh, in New Jersey, and uh, I know that it's a, a constant uh, struggle. There are changes in uh, medication. There are changes in uh, uh, doctors who are prescribing different medicines. There's a change in diagnosis sometimes, so uh, it's it's very rough, and uh, both the individual and their families are very heroic in you know, trying to make life better 
uh, and you're even more heroic because you're not only trying to make life uh, better for your for your children, for your immediate loved ones, but for other people's children and other people's loved ones. I realize my daughter is not the only one. I get calls from people all the time, help me, you know, I give out the resources that helped me. Um, my daughter, um, on October 3rd, we'll fast forward, on October 3rd, 2017, the doctors had taken Chelsea off medication rapidly. They did not taper her off. They had put her back on Risperidone. She hadn't talked to me for two years. They put her back on Risperidone, which was, like, not good because she already had a history of it not being, you know, appropriate for her. Um, because she had high prolactin levels. So here we have difficulty swallowing, you know, the movement, um, catatonia, um, psychosis, paranoia. So she called me because they put her on Latuda. Um, she got, uh, she became sui- really suicidal. And she called me in the morning and she said, Mom, I know. I need to be safe, but I'm scared that they are going to over-medicate me. Well, here we are 22 months later. My daughter had stopped talking to me February 8, 2018. Uh, June, she called me. They had um, started injections of Latuda. She had a very severe dystonic reaction. And then she stopped talking to me again, and I didn't hear from her. She was at Greystone. I did not hear from her until, I want to say like April this year. She had uh-huh. acute delirium, acute delirium. It wasn't psychosis. It wasn't paranoia. She thought she... Here, was president of the United States every day. It was so hard to hear this. I, um, doctor called me and he said, you know, she's got acute delirium. Well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, maybe taking her off the medications appropriately would be a good start. But they put her on Haldol and Haldol does, you know, in my research, does help with the acute delirium. Um, But she stopped talking to me, and I finally got a call from her. She was out of the hospital. The only way she got out of the hospital was not lashing out because they were forcing her to have injections. She was so determined to get out of there, even in a bad state of mind, from the drugs that she contained herself for 60 days. Day before Christmas, she finally came to see me. And I knew when I saw her, it would determine the decision I would make. Mm-hmm. She... Um, has severe right-hand tremor. 
which is due to medication toxicity, and she has some memory loss. Her self-care had been so neglected in the hospital, you know, washing her hair, doing things for her, you know, two years, you know, making sure she had a warm coat to fit her, you know, clothing because she has nothing. You know, when people get out after a long stay, they have nothing. If they're lucky, they have black bags full of whatever. That's it. And they put her in a um, assisted living care in uh, Amboy. At least she's safe for now um, and is happy. You know, she listens to audios. But seeing her hand tremor, my daughter's amazing. She worked with me when she was young at a school, the Children's Center in Cedar Knolls, and she would come with me because I couldn't afford a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And she would she would dress up like kind of like Patch Adams, Robin Williams, and uh-huh. that movie. And she would go from room to room. And I recently asked her, I said, tell me, what, what did you wear? And she said, I wore clothes that didn't make sense. And she <laughs> go from room to room. And, and, you know, and when I saw her, well, she's been crocheting scarves for the homeless people. And because she has severe hand tremor, which she does, is she holds her hand close to her body. It's very methodical. It's good that she's keeping busy like that. Uh, she listens to audiobooks. She was recently listening to a, ma- a doctor that I became aware of a couple of years ago through Rosella Clyde, who had run for freeholder. She posted a video of Dr. Daniel Amen, who does thousands and thousands and thousands of brain spec scans. He has I don't know, eight eight or nine clinics, the Amen clinics throughout the U.S. And Chelsea, she was re listening to an audio book, and I was kind of being nosy, like, what is it? What is it? Mm-hmm. And it was change your life, change your brain, or change your brain, change your life. And um, about a week ago, she called me, and she said, I want a brain spec scan. And I knew exactly who to go to. It's a lot of money. I'll figure out a way to do it come hell or high water. It won't help with the tremors. That, But she wants to know what part of her brain is being affected. She's a smart woman. There's still right. a lot there. Uh-huh. And, um, we, we will do that. But I, a couple months ago, I was talking to a political activist friend of mine and I said, you know, I really want to open a facility to help people withdraw from antipsychotics and antidepressants in a safe healing environment. Noreen sent me a um, article from Chester Township on a facility, Glen Laura, that has been uh, vacant since 2006 and mm-hmm. 
beautiful. It's like just looks so tranquil. It's like stone buildings. It was a nursing home. So I went to see uh, House Representative Mikey Sherrill's director and um, another woman that works there, Jill Hirsch. And they, when I was leaving, they said, you know, look at us. Look where we came from. We were just walking the streets in Morristown protesting, and now, you know, Kelly is director. And um, they were very encouraging. But I, not seeing Chelsea, not knowing what I'm really dealing with, seeing her uh-huh. and seeing the disability, seeing how it's affected her brain and that every single psychiatrist, every single one, honestly, I'm going to say it, they don't know what they are doing. They don't. They take patients off abruptly. It looks like the mental illness is getting worse. But it's induced psychosis. It is not the mental illness because, in my opinion, the withdrawal from antipsychotics and antidepressants is far worse than your opiates, unless you're dealing with fentanyl or whatever, you know, that's deadly. I watched Chelsea in one of her hospitalizations a week before she could literally, like, lift up her head and look at us. We went every night to see her. It was horrible because the way it changes the brain, you have to do it slowly so the brain can adjust, readjust its pathways. You know, the dopamine, the serotonin, I don't understand it completely, but from what I've seen and what I've read, it has to be done appropriately. And I don't know if big pharma is really, you know, when they're sending these, you know, people out to sell these, you know, their drugs, because one of the, Latuda, I went to the pharmacy, I got, you know, all the write-ups on all these antipsychotics, and there are only two that have a black box warning. That is Latuda and Abilify. Latuda actually says, this is ridiculous. So it says a woman who's having a baby that's taking Latuda could have a baby that's born with withdrawal symptoms. Why wouldn't it address the, the mom having withdrawal symptoms? It doesn't make sense to me. The, yeah, I don't understand that something either. Has, it, so... I'm looking at this place, Glenn Laura. I have a name that I think I want to call. Um, I want to call it Healing Waters Treatment Center because, and I looked it up after it came into my mind, is that for 2,500 years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this, but they, before electric shock and all that, they used hydrotherapy where they would put somebody like in freezing cold water that has yes. something to do with the yellow bile. I don't understand it all. But if you think of it, you know, you consider how soothing it is to take a hot bath, how soothing it is to 
sit by the ocean and hear the water. Even a falling rain, you know, a babbling brook is very healing. Very healing. So I'm going to do this. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a facility because there are none. There is no home for my daughter to go to that will help her. None. And you None. made progress in that area. Last time we spoke, you told me that uh, uh, thing, doors were starting to open in that direction. Yep. I am also awesome. happy to say, um, you know, in this life, we are all connected. We are all con- There's a man, uh, a very great saxophone player out in California, uh, Richard Howell. And um, he had played with friends of mine in New York. And I didn't meet him personally, but we connected. And he has a song, We Are All Connected. And it's true because I went to school briefly with a pretty well-known guitar maker. And I had thought of having my a song my father wrote 50 years ago for a PSA, Break the Hate Up, Love Your Neighbor. It's called One by One. And I wrote this guitar player, guitar maker, and um, he actually called me and he told me to find a gospel singer because I really like the singer because he has a band. Very few people who buy his guitars know he actually has a band. So I connected with another musician that was playing with another friend of mine, um, Jimmy Haslip, and we are going to do it a seven-song CD for mental health awareness. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to raise the roof on, on getting it out there. That And they're beautiful songs. My father's uh, musician is already working on the arrangement. And hopefully that will get some money, you know, that we can donate to other causes, you know, organizations as well as, um, helping me because I'm going to need like a lot of money for this project, a lot of money. But you you believe in it, and it's starting to happen. So that that's the the thing to focus on. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of you know. I found that I, you, I'm very organized. I'm using every single person that's ever entered into my life going to, you know, get the help. I already have people telling me, we'll help you, we'll help you. So it will happen. Yes, it will. The necessity for it is so vital. My daughter is not the only one. You know, she has on a very high dose of lithium, a very high dose of, um, well, she's on injection of Invega. She had a bruise on her arm. She didn't even know she had it. Mm. You know, the self-care, um, they don't, they need people in the hospital, these psychiatric hospitals, just to help them look good about themselves. They're just treated like worse than a rat. They really are. My, my um, another friend of mine is there. I heard from another friend. And she came out on a day pass, and they all were at a diner. And this friend is worse than my daughter. 
she's two shaking hands, could, could barely hold a cup, and she's on a high dose of lithium. And I think you are aware, um, New Year's Eve day, there was a fatal stabbing at Greystone. Yes, I've heard. And and the gentleman, when I told my daughter, and I mentioned his name, she thought that he got killed, and she said that would be really sad. So, you know, when you're talking about my daughter acting out, you know, being violent or whatever, much of it, because Chelsea's not like that, is due to them you know, I would have to really look into it. I think our rep, you know, House Representative Tom Malinowski would be a good resource for that, is that many civil rights are being violated there, too. My daughter didn't want an injection. She was compliant with taking medication. When you give injections, usually it is because they lack insight, which would be on my son's spectrum of the mental health is that he lacks insight into his mental illness where my daughter did not lack insight. And here they're forcing her and they're not helping me get Andrew into the program that he needs. You know, there are solutions. So we have um, our hands full. Yeah, yes, you do. Um, our segment for today is nearing its uh, end, but uh, this will be a continuing conversation. And now I have uh, one to three shows uh, devoted to mental illness per month, and you're going to be a frequent uh, guest. So uh, a frequent um, flyer, huh? <laughs> a frequent flyer. So you and I will schedule your next show uh, between now and the weekend. Uh, thank you so very much for being so generous with your time and with sharing your life. And thank you very much for all that you've done uh, for all of our children um, here in uh, New Jersey who are struggling with uh, these same issues. I hope we can help them. They need it. I hope so too. How can you people know, they need to be you if they have a problem? Um, or if they, want they can to email me at... Um, J-U-L-I-A-H-B-D at Hotmail.com. Thank you, Julia. You're awesome. And I'm sorry. Everybody else helped me. (laughs) Well, hopefully you'll find more people to help you because you have a grand dream that uh, is uh, something that is very much needed. So uh, it should happen and you should make it happen. It's happening. It's going to happen. I have great faith. It Um, will happen. Thank you so much for having me again, Hercules. It's my pleasure and an honor. And in honor of Julia and her effort, I'm going to play a song called Merlin Am I. Uh, because uh, um, there's definitely something greater um, happening uh, that Julia is helping to bring about. Thanks again, Julia. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I am Hercules Invictus, and I'm honored to announce our next segment, uh, which is hosted by Bill Waitman. It's his first show that will focus exclusively on healthcare, and uh, this show will be a regular here on our station. His guest is Tom Palmieri, and their topic tonight is the opioid crisis, which has been affecting many in our nation. Greetings and welcome, Bill. Greetings. Thank you, Hercules. Um, well, I'll let you guys get to it. I'll be here if you need me. Welcome, uh, Mr. Palmieri. How are you doing? Welcome, Hercules. Good to talk to you. Same here. You know, you know Hercules, it was, it was funny today. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, I can hear I'm you. listening to I'm listening to this uh, conference with the governor in Warren County, and uh, all of a sudden I hear uh, the governor ask for Tom Palmieri. <laughs> I'm listening on on the uh, on a tablet uh, uh, 55 miles away today, and uh, he was there, so I immediately uh, sent him a, a little. <laughs> I guess it was an email or something or one of those things and uh, telling him, are you there and, and what's going on? Uh, well, it's always it, awesome it was, to come on. So I'm looking forward to a great show. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, Tom, All right. You, you were there the What's your first question? Well, uh, basically, uh, I didn't, I just by accident came across this, uh, I don't know if you know uh, you know or knew, but I was the uh, for seven or eight years uh, uh, Senator Latell, a great Republican uh, state senator. Uh, we've got a couple of mm-hmm. half wits up there. Uh, we have three half wits maybe, but uh, uh, Latell <laughs> sent me. Um, he sent me to uh, uh, to Trenton and beyond uh, on various missions. I had I was in state government, and he. Uh, put me on a committee about drugs and uh, uh, we went through a heavy area. You know, today you were pretty much covering uh, what's going on with opioids. Uh, right. About 10, 10 years ago, I was fooling around with heroin and uh, dealing with, on a personal touch with people that I knew that were doing heroin. Um, and they, I well, going, they'll many times with the opioid problem, they'll, they'll eventually go to heroin because of the cost 
of getting the opioids is so hard and so costly where the heroin is so cheap. And that's, that's what's going on now in Warren, Sussex, and in New Jersey as a whole. I know and it, on our highways, I, don't, I can't think of which one uh, going up your way, but it's Route 23, basically, and maybe Route 80 for us, uh, which brings some of the hard drugs in, like uh, heroin. Uh, opioids, I, I, I came home from a Florida trip, and I, I, and I uh, wound up having people in my house uh, that were doing uh, heroin and opioids. So it was a frightening, uh, frightening thing. Uh, I also came in with people from the city in my uh, in my front yard, uh, which were pretty angry about something. Um, well, the thing about uh, what they talked about today is, you know, it's it, it's frightening. Uh, I, I, matter of fact, tonight uh, around about seven or eight o'clock, uh, a young man that I knew for years. Uh, called me up on the phone because he wanted some help with a court issue. My wanted my daughter, uh, so I uh, I don't know if he ever got to speak with my daughter, but uh, um, I try to help him out. He was a case where he was in living uh, from moved down from Sussex County, uh, lived with his, uh, lived in Patterson, and uh, he was doing heroin. Him and his wife and his children. Wife was on pimping on the street in, uh, in uh, not Newark, but in Patterson. Uh, and he was uh, all day long doing drugs. And uh, I knew this kid from an early age. And uh, it just brought memories up, up when I heard that meeting today and then came across that discussion tonight. Uh, he's not related to me, but he was a kid that I knew. Uh, he was in my uh, son's class, and uh, he was about a grade below or grade above my daughter. Uh, Hello so there, guys. Came... Hi. Hey, Bill. And, yes. Okay. I got disconnected for a minute. Sorry about that. Okay. I was babbling on. I had somebody today that had been one of the people I knew, and I was trying to help. Mm-hmm. I was I was right. running Department of Labor offices thanks to uh, uh, Latell in the county. I had had a house fire, and I moved up. And he put me uh, to testify, and that continued uh, through the next um, uh, two centers. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, this, this is, as I was saying before, the discussion is about treatment prevention. Um, I heard I've had discussions with uh, the, uh, the county sheriff of Passaic County. He's he's the first one I heard it from. We can't arrest our way out of this problem, and. Uh, Attorney General Gray will also the same thing. Treatment and pre- uh, prevention are the two ways to go, and we need to uh, focus on that. I I have some knowledge of this topic on a more personal level, and the support system for people. Actually, I know somebody who just came back from treatment for two and a half months. Within a couple of days, she was back um, getting heroin out of Newark, and so that you know. There wasn't the support. She had her housing situation. She was going back into a house where many of the people in the house were addicts. So it was easy to get, and she had no job. And so she's she's uh, shooting up again. It's the same thing with, with my case today. I mean, I, this uh, young man who's now in his 40s, this has been going right. on since he was in high school. Uh, yeah. I, he came up to Sussex County, asked me if I could get him into another drug program about two years ago, 
And uh, I got him a job as a mechanic. I got him an extension in a drug program, uh, which actually became a Hollywood-type drug program, which wasn't going to serve him anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he just bounced right back into it. The girl was doing the same thing. They lost their kids to her sister. Mm. uh, And he contacted me today because he told me he straightened out. He's told me this many times. He wanted my help and my daughter's help. My daughter, like I said, is a lawyer. And I met so many kids like this. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, and they're not, the problem is they are they don't they stop being kids and they are adults and they're having families. Um, I know another young woman; she's in her thirties. She lost her three children because her boyfriend it's, it's, uh, introduced her to her. You know, so it's it's, it's a scary situation, and uh, and the opportunity to get into treatment if you don't have insurance or if you don't have a good support system. Like you have been a great support system for your friend. A lot of these people get cut off 100% from their families. And so they're on, literally on the streets or in abandoned buildings or they're living in their car. Because so they just can manage to keep the guard as a place to travel. So they can run down to Newark or Patterson or, or bring the stuff back. So it, it's, a, it's a tragedy. And we got to make it easier for people to be able to go into treatment and also support them once they come out of treatment. That's that's you the know, focus that I just like to work on. I looked at the, the stats today on uh, on opioid use, uh, you know, in the United States, and uh, it, it's it's way up there, and the mm-hmm. uh, 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 in the thousands, and uh, yes. and it's it, 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 it's. It, it, it took, a, as you, as I said this morning, it took a little bit of a dip, but uh, yeah. You know, well, I mean, they talked. I mean, in the you know, uh, programs, you know, obviously New Jersey centered, and it took a three percent reduction in the number of deaths from the pre 2018, and Governor Murphy was pretty darn candy because we're not take, we're not. Spiking the football on this one, you know, he says we got a long way to go, and one death from heroin or opioids is one too many, and and we have a long way to go. And I think I think there is a, a, a coordinated campaign to do this. Uh, Jim Perry, who is a former mayor, he was the mayor in Hardwick Township in Warren County. He's now just a, he is now the councilman this year. Um, he is the head of the League of Municipalities, and he has. This is a, a it's very close to the heart uh, issue for him, and I'm I'm related to Jim through marriage. Um, he lost his son to drugs. He lost a niece to drugs, and lost uh, uh, a, a nephew to drugs. And um, so he's he's very aware. You know, Jim is a strong, very strong Donald Trump Republican, and he's working with uh, Governor Murphy, a progressive Democrat. So it's, you know, this cuts across all political spectrums. This is not something that any house is safe from. And it's, everybody can everybody can talk about this topic because they either know somebody or a family member has been, has been impacted by what's going on in this country with opioids and which leads into heroin. It really, it really is. I mean, uh, we were talking about the cops, but uh, uh, for instance, in, in uh, Bergen County, cops are largely patrolling Patterson out, which is in Passaic County. You mentioned the sheriff, uh, Richard Burdnick, is one of the best in the state. Uh, but it's, it's, it's so uh, 
I, I, and I mean, 20, I'm going to say 20 years ago, because my son's now 40, but, uh, uh, he knew kids that were trumping down to, you know, Patterson every day coming, you know, right. coming up and down the highways. And, and it got right. to that point where, uh, when I went out, I went out of state and came home. I got to get, let me backtrack for a minute. Uh, I was going for a doctorate at, at a university, uh, city university in New York. And I got a uh, study. I wanted to do Sussex County and uh, Warren County. Mm-hmm. Every school in Sussex and Warren County, this is going back a ways. This is about 20, 25 years ago, um, maybe longer. Because I concluded my last data collection uh, out of a school uh, at 12 o'clock, the day the female astronaut died. And the point oh, yeah. of that was I was in Hunterton County. And the guidance counselor that helped me had the same, I can't recall, you know, I'm drawing a blank now. This is actually for true. Uh, uh, the guidance counselor had the same uh, last name as the female astronaut that died that day. You can remember that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It was around 12 o'clock. I collected my, my yep. samples, uh, the NIDA grant, and I was comparing it with uh, uh, a suburban community, uh, Bergen County. I had about 12, 15 high schools. I was looking at a whole, you know, hundreds of factors, and I could see that both districts, uh, you know, Bergen County uh, and uh, Huntington County, had approximately about the same high, high rate of uh, drug usage and pending drug yeah. usage, and, uh, and it was phenomenal. And I was thrown out of every high school in Sussex County. I didn't get so many in Huntington County. I got to Hackettstown. Uh, I had done studies on high school kids all over the state, normal studies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, following for the federal government uh, on different things. I, I tried to, uh, you may go back and remember, they used to give a test called the high school proficiency test. And mm-hmm. uh, I gave uh, our version of the high school proficiency test to the Department of Labor, and I, uh, I cross-predicted it with the state Department of Education test as an example to show uh, I was working out of Detroit. Uh, but anyway, I used that those connections to do the uh, study, uh, uh, the the federal funded drug uh, study, and uh, I used the schools. Uh, I didn't necessarily get the same kids, but uh, right. the problems were high. And this was way well, before I mean, we even thought kind of things. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, your, your I, point I I picked up from what you just said. You know, Bergen County, which was how. Highly uh, suburbanized as compared to more rural areas of the state, and the drug uh, problem was uh, as per capita about the same. And mm-hmm. and I when I made my comment about uh, Jim Perry, you know, diehard Republican, uh, Phil Murphy, uh, diehard Democrat, th- this issue is cutting across all social and economic levels. And then one of the sad things is um, there's a segment of the population that are now waking up to it. And before, when it was just an urban problem, and it was for the urban poor, there was no interest. You know, my perception is there was no interest in tackling the issue. Now that, you know, white suburban kids are dying from it, and uh, middle-aged people are getting hooked on opioids, all of a sudden, you know, there's finally coming, waking up to the problem that exists. One of the things that um, the woman from the Family uh, Guidance Center said uh, the governor Murphy went around and said, if you had one 
wish that you could be granted to you right now, what would it be? And she said stigma, the removal of stigma of people who are associated or who are drug addicts or people who have family members who are drug addicts. And that's one of the things, you know, there are many people who think if you're a drug addict, you should die. That's in law enforcement. That's in, in just in the community around them. And we got to change this. This thing is not, they don't have, they're not bad people. They made a mistake. There's a lot of biology and DNA and genetics involved in it. And it's not something we as a society can run away from. You know, and we got to be working with people. We can't be can't throw people away like we have in the past. If I can interject for a second, um, I have been appointed to our county, our borough's uh, stigma-free committee for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm the chairperson of the Access for All committee, so we're working very closely with the new uh, stigma-free committee. And uh, as a private citizen, I started a podcast that that was right before you guys came on, uh, dedicated to uh, spreading mental health awareness and uh, eliminating Mm -hmm. stigma. Sorry, I interrupted. Well, that's it. That's it. The stigma of mental health and drug addiction, and I, I can't speak for other countries, but in, in the United States, there is uh, stigma if you have to have, um, you need to go to a therapist, or you take medication, or if you have a drug problem, there's something wrong with you. And uh, hopefully, Hercules, as you said, you know, a uh, program to stop the the stigma of being a human being and having a mistake or not being Perfect, as a lot of people think everybody should be. Well, a, a lot of people, you know, um, I got to tell you that one of my family members fell into it, and uh, it was one of the hardest things to deal with. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why the Senate put me on that board, uh, on that committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really a, 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 a anti-drug program or a program that, that I testified before the legislature for funding to increase funding in the mm-hmm. 24th district. Uh, and we we pretended we didn't have a problem in Sussex County, and we had a major mm-hmm. problem. And yeah. uh, I I remember I, in, uh, uh, I had to get a kid out of uh, – I had to do a debate against Scott Garrett. I don't think Hercules remembers Scott Garrett, but I debated uh, Scott Garrett for the assembly. Uh, I was mm-hmm. the only man in your, in, um, in your county, Warren County, uh, there were many candidates, but the year I ran in Sussex County, uh, I had a chair uh, named uh, Cart, and he didn't believe on putting anybody on the ballot that year, and I never figured out why. So I turned out to be the only candidate in the county. And uh, right. uh, luckily, I had to go to a debate, and I had to get that kid out of a really bad house. And that house turned out to uh, they uh, they murdered somebody uh, along the line. They got involved wow. in drugs heavily, uh, and uh, I, I remember going to the door and uh, the Franklin Police small town. The cops were all yep. big. They have 22 detectives <laughs> for a small town of maybe what 2,500 people. That's an out. That's a bigger yep. than more cops than I have in my suburban town that I grew up in in Bergen County. Yep. Uh, yep. It, it, it so really it's, it's, it's scary. And the thing, we have to be proactive. Um, the governor's in the attorney general's office in the Department of Community Affairs and Community uh, 
yeah, community affairs, they're they're focusing on it. Department of Labor and Industry is focusing on it because it has a, a, a huge negative economic impact upon us as a you know by county, by family, by state, by nation, and we need to start focusing on this issue. Otherwise, we're we're losing a generation. I mean, there our situation. I don't believe this is bad as there's areas in the Ohio Valley in West Virginia in the southern Ohio on this Ohio River had like been gutted. I mean, there have been numerous programs on the the huge economic impact, the huge social impact, and the cultural impact upon these communities in the Ohio Valley region because that's one of the biggest and largest areas that's impacted by the opioids and the, uh, the, the drug industry that has you know, targeted these areas. So well, yeah, we need to move we, forward. I'm like you in that sense, too, because my wife's family, uh, uh, they have a farm out there in, uh, in Ohio, outside of Youngstown, mm-hmm. and some family members live in Youngstown, and Youngstown's been decimated. You know, it's, in some cases, it's a loss of the auto industry that's out there. Uh, I spent time in uh, West Virginia years ago. I, I know it was dirt poor, and the uh, mines were closing down. Uh, that, that was a real long time ago. But, uh, you know, the, the other factor that's out there, and Hercules, you should uh, use this too. Uh, back in 2017, we reached 130 uh, deaths a day from opioids, which is a staggering amount. And, uh, you it's know, uh, it, 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 how this caught on, it just over, it just really just stepped right over heroin. I don't know whether people figured heroin was well, uh, opioid for a I, metal deal or not. No, the, the story was this. Opioids were safer. You can get them. You knew the quality of them. And then what happens is after a while, the person who is hooked on the opioids, the opioids are expensive. You try to buy them on the street. Heroin is dirt cheap. It's five dollars a right. paper in Newark. All right, you can't get. You can get a nice high for five bucks, and it'll last you for a while. Opioids at same high would be about thirty or forty dollars. So people start, you know, going to Newark, and they go to Patterson, they go to Camden, they go to New York City, wherever they they have a connection. And we this can they're not one is not they're both connected. One is not without the other. And we got to, you know, start putting the money and time and effort into that. You know, otherwise, we're just going to be treading water, and um, we're not going to see it. We'll see 3% reductions, not 10 20% reductions per year. And we need to well, get rid really of the ball. Yeah, I, and, I, and, and, and I don't want to blame gangs for this, but we started seeing gang colors about three, four years ago uh, on the edges of our county, like uh, across the river in Port Jervis uh, and, mm-hmm. and elsewhere. You know, uh, I mean, the governor at your meeting today talked about police action. Uh, the police have to mm-hmm. play, a, play a positive role in this and do some interdiction and uh, on all these highways that lead in there because they're basically death highways. And they're in Bergen yeah. County where Hercules is right now. Uh, the drug issues are everywhere. It may be uh, dealt better in the richer, richer suburbs. Uh, people can cover it up, send their kids away. But they, you know, they can re uh, just like everybody else. They can rebound right back into it. Uh, it's people oh. and places, and uh, that's what I always say. It's people and places. And uh, the kid I was talking to you about today, uh, he's a genius. I mean, he has no education. He was always thrown out of school. He was highly uh, intellectual and 
in communications, uh, you know, devices and everything else. Today he's doing kind of wiring some trucks, and I don't understand how he does it. Uh, he's been in and out of uh, drug places, and uh, his kids went up for almost went up for adoption. So I hate to see him lose the kids, but I, they've already seen things that they have never should have never seen. Seeing like prostitution well, out of uh, part of, well, that's part of the problem. I mean, a lot of these people uh, who have had who are are drawn to drugs, they have seen terrible things. You know, as mm-hmm. shootings, uh, prostitution, young girls are being molested by older men. You know, whatever the uh, the tragedy and the trauma that has impacted these people. They'll use the drugs as a way to escape, and we got to have a better system than building people and giving them the tools to deal with these tragedies and not use drugs to handle to uh, how to say self medicate themselves. Another problem is the uh, drug industry itself, the pharmaceuticals. We've seen some of these companies uh, finally get. Uh, uh, fined and, uh, and 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 get a get some negative adjudications against them, two hundred mm-hmm. you know fifty million. Uh, I think a local one in New Jersey was way up there. Uh, you know, all over the country. So it's a family corpora- uh, corporation. The same thing that uh, reached I think seven or eight hundred million dollars in fines. Uh, they were a big purveyor of these, and uh, we yep. got to be stopped. You need to do yeah. a better learning process. One of the suggestions that came out today that um, that the pharmaceutical companies that had been involved in the opioid uh, epidemic would actually start providing medication at a at a rate or subsidizing the cost of medication that uh, the programs for uh, people in recovery are taking. And actually, that was one of the big concerns is the state of Jersey is increasing significantly their funding for programs on this issue, but the federal government is potentially not. And um, one person stated that the state of New Jersey, because of the Affordable Care Act, or better known as uh, Obamacare, New Jersey has gotten billions of dollars out of it because people have been able to get health insurance and they've been able to get some type of treatment. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's I think you know that's a big way to go, and uh, you yeah. know we have to make better edu. Uh, I think a lot of families don't know it, uh, whether it's suburban, urban, or or, or rural, ex rural America, that these things exist there, and they they can get up there pretty quick. Kids can get into a car and drive down. Um, I had a kid come into my house and walk out with my TV. I just bought a TV, <laughs> and he took it down to Newark, and this was for heroin. Uh, so, uh, so it's for you know, you're not you're not dragging stuff out of the house in Sussex County. You know, you always it was always about heroin. It's always about, you know that is the foundation of what drives this. And one of the things is, and the, the tragedy is, you can go to some, some parts of the South Ward in Newark. In the central ward, and the, the only industry is selling drugs. You can see all these old uh, factories, all these old factory buildings uh, boarded up or abandoned. You can see storefronts that are closed down. You know, 50, 60 years ago, there were real jobs in those cities. 
you know, manufacturers uh, making, you know, my, my uncle had a tool and die shop in Irvington, New Jersey. That's no longer there. That job, that was a well-paying job. My uncle purposely paid better than the union way, uh, union level at that time just not to have the union come in. And the union had I, done I, the job. But the thing about it, so the jobs are gone. So there's no real real career options in those in many parts no, of that city. Even low-level jobs, uh, Tom, uh, I remember all the toy industry. And I, I uh, you know, we're off to Remus Avenue in Newark. They were all, you could mm-hmm. Ideal, Mattel. Uh, yep. someplace else, like Bergen County, Hasbro had a store, uh, the little uh, English cars, uh, the Lesney toys, yep. they were called, little metal cars, they're all gone. And here's yep. the thing that's really bothering me, and it really worries me, because artificial intelligence, probably uh, this year we're in now or next year, will really start taking a, a, a real major bite out of our industry in this country and other countries uh, mm-hmm. around the world. I'm talking about right. 40 to 50 million jobs lost in this country. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked in the 70s. As, as somebody criticized me the other day and said I was making up my job title, but I was an industrial psychologist. I developed right. tests for unions. As a matter of fact, most of the unions now, the craft unions in New Jersey, except yep. the IBEW, I brought them a test that I uh, partnered with uh, uh, American College Testing called Worky. I put it on a train called Amtrak uh, so that mm-hmm. they could, the uh, newer workers, and, and they're coming out with a new, I'm, I'm long gone, but they're coming out with a new revision, uh, version of Amtrak, uh, you know, a seller, mm-hmm. a seller 2909 or something. But uh, a lot of jobs are going to really be quite different, and it's going to be harder yeah. and harder. And uh, uh, Hercules has a guy on his show that uh, – talks about what we call the uh, gig economy, where people really like they used to be mostly thought of as college kids that would work when they wanted. They had some coding job. Coding jobs are no longer going to be needed in a year or two. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what that means to the psyche of this country, uh, a country that's built long on traditions of work and what work means in our country. You just cited the the, uh, takedown of uh, urban centers. This is where jobs mm-hmm. originally originated in. And, well, uh, I mean, I, that's, I, that's the thing. We have to have a reinvestment into our urban centers. I mean, we can't – the United States had a tendency to throw away, well, we burnt this area. We burnt out the farm. We burnt out the city. We move on. We move to the south and southwest. Well, it, the economics of throwing away cities like Camden and Newark, Phil, you know, parts of Philadelphia – it doesn't make economic sense, and it's not good for the country as a whole. And and when you throw things away, you're throwing people away. And many times people deal with their depression and their anger and their resentment is drugs because the drugs are so dirt cheap. And so we need to refocus on how do we build a society that works for everybody, not just for the few. And um, part of that part of this, that problem is you turn, if you go to Newark and you said, we're going to have a program where if you have a drug issue, we will get you in treatment. We're not going to put you through hoops. You have to find an insurance company. You have to prove residency. We are going to get you into treatment. All of a sudden, the attitude would change. Saying, wow. The government and society is actually working to help people in our community and not just throwing them away. And that's the thing we have to do. Did you get a feeling today that federal government will get involved and help with this? 
Um, no, that's actually that was the thing Governor Murphy said. You know, he, um, the Trump administration is looking to cut things. They're looking to cut the Affordable Care Act. If they cut the Affordable Care Act, they're going to cut. Pro, it will impact uh, drug rehabilitation programs. There's no getting around it. Yeah, he's, he's, it's terrible. You know what? It's a terrible situation. When I did, I, I visited, we had drug programs like we had one up in Bergen County, a little north of uh, where Hercules is, I think, uh, Kretzkill. Um, uh, it was Phoenix House, I believe. And mm-hmm. I, uh, the, test, the test that we developed, we would go up to Phoenix House, and they weren't the greatest, but they were, you know, they were psychological tests. They were related to the mm-hmm. world of work. So we would start mm-hmm. getting those kids uh, involved and see if we could, you know, help get them into jobs and careers slowly. Right, uh, right. And, but I, 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 I ran across the bad program in Patterson where it was a federal government official that I used to work with, and she was drinking wine coolers on the spot. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't think that was really a good move, uh, so I, I, uh, I forgot about that. Um, it takes politicians, as the governor said today, of both parties. I'm I, mm-hmm. I, I listening to your Warren County politicians. They seem to take a role in this, even though they're, they're Republicans. I'm not so sure about my counties. I mean, we have active drug programs there that teach and, uh, you know, promote uh, training and either being involved in drug uh, program issues or or whatever. Uh, There are groups that testify before the legislatures every year on drug funding uh, because it's it's a necessary uh, component of what's going on. We even, I was with Norwest Cap, and you know where Norwest Cap is in. It's it's headquartered in New York County. We had a program where we were teaching people to grow Grow, market, and sell foods. I think now West. Uh, I left Northwest Cap, uh, but we were selling that programs to jails and schools and everything else, where kids could grow exotic. We went to we went to uh, Terry Newhart. I don't know if you ran across him. Uh, he was the director of uh, Northwest Cap, and we were in seven counties, and we were in the city of Patterson. Most of the counties were along the uh, uh, the coast, uh, our western coast, going down to. You know, those counties below us and uh, mm-hmm. uh, right up to Sussex and then over to the city of Patterson for uh, a program with uh, that, um, oh, God, one of our great big department stores, uh, the hardware, uh, not Lowe's, the other one. <laughs> uh, Home Depot? Home Depot. Home they Depot? had a program called, yes, they had a program called Youth Bills, and I think that's still functioning, and that's good for kids, and that could actually help get kids into uh, – High-paying jobs. I, I, I mean, I, I've gotten people that had drug issues into the IBEW and some of the other mm-hmm. unions, and they give people a second chance. Um, yeah. It was a kid that yeah. I knew that lost everything. His kid died of a, a terrible disease, and he went back on it. We got him back into the IBEW, and uh, I don't know if he stayed there. Uh, that's always problematic because – it's not an e- it's not a straight line like uh, you know one point perfect correlation with human nope. beings they do split back and we have yep. to, to do that more and more and again look, today at the program they mentioned about uh, uh, relapses are part of recovery it's not something to be ashamed right. of it's not the first time and it will happen again but there is recovery in the long run as long as there is support 
And that's an excellent uh, place, a positive place to end today's uh, journey. We only have a couple of minutes left. Um, Tom, how can people uh, contact you and learn more about all the things that you're doing? Um, they um, they call contact me on Facebook, uh, Tom Palmieri. They can contact me through the Warren County Democratic Committee's Facebook page and also our warrencountydems.com uh, website. So those are the main ways. Um, so if they have any questions or if I don't know the answer, um, one is I am a great resource of being able to channel people to the right people to talk to. And I'm happy to share that uh, those relationships. That is a great skill to have. I invited you to our Optimal Wellness Group. I'm make, making some changes in the format. Uh, we're still going to have the uh, interview shows, you know, the one-on-one uh, uh, talking mm-hmm. shows. But we're adding something a bit more interactive. I, I tried it out with uh, some of our um, other uh, um, topics, you know, mostly the mm-hmm. interface dialogue, and they worked really well. Uh, so I'm going to be having more of them. Uh, it's going to be a monthly panel discussion on a particular topic uh, with activists, mm-hmm. politicians, you know, anybody who really feels strongly about and uh, is trying to accomplish something. Uh, to see if we could find like solutions all talking together, uh, or at least next step. That's wonderful. Step. That sounds like a great step you're taking there. It's wonderful. Okay, I awesome. will, so, I look for it. I'll look look for the invitation. Fantastic. And Bill, thanks again. You're awesome. Um, I, I probably say this every show, but uh, Bill was one of my heroes when I first entered the workforce development field back in uh, the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, our paths did not cross uh, uh, physically for many years, but we our, our paths did cross career-wise, and uh, we talked on the phone quite a bit, uh, um, especially uh, when I was uh, moving back to New So thank you, Bill, for all that you've done for all of us over the years. Um, And thank you, Tom. You're awesome. And thanks to our audience for listening in. And uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to you, you. gentlemen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.